You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. It is the uh, 27th of December, and the year 2020 is about to come to an end. I think we're probably not too sad to put 2020 in the rearview mirror. But with the uh, rapid social and political decline in this country, it's kind of scary, at least it is to me, to think about what uh, might lie ahead for us as, as believers and as a church. And uh, it makes me wonder how we're going to respond. So what you're about to hear um, is a lot of things that maybe I... I'm not usually a worrier, but I, I, I think I'm kind of worrying about this kind of stuff. I know we're not called to be worriers, but if you tell me you never worry, then I think you're a liar, and we're not called to be liars either. So, um, and a lot of it is going to have the politics of the day in this. A lot of this, what I'm going to review, I guess we're going to review um, the year 2020. And um, if uh, you don't like politics, I apologize. But um, I don't care if you don't like it. It's going to have an effect on you in somehow, some way. So <clears throat> after, uh, I think about, about a year ago, after we went through three years of a Russia hoax against our president, uh, they went through an impeachment, and then we had riots this past year. Um, for seemingly no reason. Um, and now we're, we're facing, we're in the midst, I guess, of a severely compromised election. That isn't over yet, and we don't know how that's going to end up. Um, in about a little over a week, there's uh, an election in Georgia that will um, determine... Uh, the balance of power in, in Washington of who will control the Senate. Um, but after all those things, I think the thing that, I guess, concerns me or has been bothers me the most is the way our left-wing politicians uh, seem like they're handling the pandemic. <clears throat> Sorry, i got to keep watering the... There are governors in this country, including our own, who have declared a state of emergency, which gives them the, uh, the sole power to basically unilaterally decide, uh, for example, what businesses might fail and what businesses will survive just by the ones that they think that they need to be closing. Um, they're closing down schools. Um, schools, at least Leroy Ostrander here, is, is kids are locked out of the school right now, and they will be till probably sometime in the middle of January. And um, that in itself is hurting our kids. Um, I don't, you know, I can see it with my own grandkids. I mean, they're not in school right now, but, um, you know, last spring, um, I just don't believe they, they really learned a darn thing. Um, with this distance learning, um, it's, it's a new way of doing things, but kids need, and we need it too, kids need structure, and we need that structure to, uh, 
to uh, teach us the discipline to, to stay on task and stay focused on things. The other uh, segment of our society that's suffering, uh, suffering a lot is our elderly. Um, uh, we think we need to lock them into nursing homes and assisted livings like they're prisoners and keep them away from their families. And I bet you if, if you could survey those people, they'd much rather be able to see their families because they're, they're just dying a slow death, basically, of loneliness and a failure to thrive. <clears throat> we were told last spring <clears throat> that we needed to close the schools, close the businesses um, for two weeks, uh, stay at home for two weeks to um, flatten the curve and, and, uh, and, and help um, alleviate the pressure that would come on the medical facilities because of all the all the uh, patients that they would be, be seeing. The experts predicted that there would be just an overwhelming number of, of patients. Well, it, you know, those predictions never really totally came true. There's some areas of the country that you could probably say that, but um, certainly not here. So we as a church here decided for safety because we didn't really know what we were dealing with. Um, decided to close um, church here for some weeks. I don't think that's the case right now in Minnesota that churches are closed, but there are places in this country where there are churches that are closed or there are um, severe restrictions put on them that really keeps people from coming in and, and worshiping. I mean, our own governor says that we shouldn't be singing in church. And so we're, we're, uh, we're kind of going against his wishes right here in this church. When we decided to shut down here, um, I hate to admit it, but what I filled that time with instead of uh, coming to church on Sunday mornings was I filled it with, I just replaced it with work. So we're, with our business in agriculture, we're quite terribly busy in the spring. And so it just uh, presented a great opportunity to get caught up on some, on some work. So, which uh, wasn't good for, for me and my relationship with Christ, I describe it this way. <clears throat> if, you, um, if you move away from your hometown and, and you, uh, uh, you, know, you move away from your, your close friends that you might see and, and hang out with and talk to on a, on a regular basis, you move away and you, uh, <clears throat> you might call them once a week, then it's maybe every other week, then it's maybe once a month. And pretty soon all you're doing is, is exchanging Christmas cards uh, with them once a year. And you really have no relationship. So that's, that's kind of what <clears throat> my relationship with Christ was, I felt, was deteriorating. Deteriorating like um, um, 
through that time when we weren't in church. And I know that, you know, you, we, should, we should read our Bible daily and pray and, and all those things, and, and, and we do that. We need to do that. But it's just not the same as... I take that, I, I take that back. State this differently. It's, it's losing that, that peace where we gather together as believers and support each other and and uh, bear each other's burdens. So I don't I don't know what you guys think, but after seeing how the politicians are handling this thing, it seems like it's more politics than it is medicine or or safety or science, whatever you want to say. Um, but I just, I just fear that our religious liberties and our freedoms um, you know, might be challenged or maybe even taken away sooner than we might think. I can remember hearing about this, these type of things back when I was a kid, um, back in the 70s. You know, I remember those, uh, and probably not very many of you guys remember these, but those uh, uh, Left Behind movies and and some of the things that you know we saw in those, and you know those, you know, that's a long time ago, and I still remember a lot of that stuff. So it had an effect on me, as Grant would say, I attached an emotion to that memory. Um, but many of today's politicians have a socialist mindset, where they, their desire is to force us to replace God in our lives and force us to be dependent totally on the government. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Andrew Chang that said he would like to see us all be mandated to get the, this COVID vaccine and have to carry a card around with us so that we could either travel on an airplane or go into certain uh, buildings or stores. Another scary thing is that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has come out and said that she would like to see all Trump supporters um, gathered up and put in what she called re-education camps. So it kind of sounds a little bit like Nazi Germany to me, but I know that Donald Trump is not our savior, and I know that all Trump supporters are not Christians, but there are many Christians around this world that are suffering these same, uh, those same kind of things. In, in communist China, um, you have to meet with fellow believers in secret and you risk being thrown in, in prison or worse. You know, I just think that <clears throat> we, uh, we really take our religious liberties and our freedoms for granted in this country. And uh, <clears throat> so, like I said, I'm not normally a worrier, but these are things that I seem like they're on my mind <clears throat> nearly every day. So, now comes the sermon part of the sermon. So you guys, <clears throat> probably some of you are saying, well, it's about time, or others are saying, well, I, I wish you would just get done and we could go home and have our Christmas goose. But anyway... So when I think about these things, <clears throat> it brings a lot of uh, questions to my mind. And <clears throat> believe me, I have a whole lot more questions than I do answers. So 
Uh, we could talk about this kind of stuff all day long. But there are just some questions, and I've got uh, maybe three points that, that I can feel like I can use to try to get my mind back on track, back on, on Christ and, and uh, what it needs to be on instead of uh, worrying and fretting about you know, what's going on in the world. So some of these questions are, <clears throat> and you've heard me say, ask this one before. <clears throat> if I were arrested, and we have a cop in the house, I believe, today. If I were arrested or accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? So I'm not totally talking about <clears throat> checking all the boxes, like I come to church on Sunday, go to Sunday school, go to Bible study, um, read my Bible every day, and so forth. We need, that's great. We do need to do all those things. But it's also part of how do I live my life outside those doors, out in this community? How do I, <clears throat> how do I conduct business with people in the community? How do I treat my wife and my family? My wife doesn't always get treated like she's a queen, but most of the time she does, but not always. Another question I would have is, how should a believer stand up for their faith in a a country that is becoming more and more anti-Christian? How should we as Christians and as a church respond to these things? How should we respond to any trials in our lives? With all these types of problems, then we have our own personal problems. They might be financial. They might be uh, health issues, maybe mental health issues. We all have our own sets of problems. So how do, how do I get any, any joy out of my Christian life? <clears throat> with all these things to worry about and be anxious for. So I've just got, I guess, just three points that I'd like to, <clears throat> to make. Um, first, why don't we, <clears throat> if you had your Bibles handy, uh, let's turn to First uh, Peter 5, 6 through 11. I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to pray and we need to turn our problems and worries over to God. It's easy to get discouraged and bogged down in life's problems. <clears throat> it's easy to get wrapped up in conspiracy theories. And maybe some of what I've been talking about, maybe some of that partially is conspiracy theories. Some of it may come true, some of it may not. So why, why should we dwell on these things? First Peter 5, 6-11 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So when it says resist him firm in your faith, um, I think that that, to me, that applies to you know being being having knowledge of God's word. We are told in God's word that we should always have an answer. <clears throat> knowledge is a strong tool that He has given us to to put in our toolbox to uh, to to have that answer to stand up um, for our beliefs, uh, stand up for Christ in this world. Second thing. <clears throat> that I believe we need to do is we need to focus on God rather than dwelling on these, these problems and these issues. So if you turn to Philippians 4, we're going to be moving around here quite a bit here right now. Uh, that, uh, Philippians 4 kind of gives us some guidelines on how to do that. So Philippians 4, 4 through 8. 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So when you think about... Uh, when Paul wrote those words, he was sitting in prison. And when they talk about reasonableness, I believe that means contentment. So it gives us probably a little bit different perspective uh, when he's sitting in prison talking about being content and not being anxious. Third, the third point I'd like to make is I think we need to that we can, we can experience joy in our Christian life through community. What do I mean by community? This. This is, this is community. So, you know, when we were closed for those few weeks, you guys... You guys don't, don't know how much you guys mean to me. I really developed an appreciation for, <clears throat> for all of you and the fact that we <clears throat> gather together here together every, every Sunday morning and and uh, study God's word we, in Sunday school. 
<clears throat> we sing praises uh, here in the morning, and when you when you when you have something like that that you take for granted, <clears throat> you realize when it's taken away from you for a time just how much it really means to you. We need each other. <clears throat> when we were when we were saved, we became part of a different family. We became a part of a family of believers. God <clears throat> did not intend for us to go through this life alone. <clears throat> he gave us each other with all our quirks and our annoyances. He gave us each other. He wants us to love each other, to comfort each other, <clears throat> to teach each other, to correct each other, to encourage each other and carry each other's burdens and build each other up. So there are just <clears throat> two more passages that I have that illustrates this. Go to Hebrews 10. <clears throat> Twenty-three through twenty-five. Hebrews ten twenty-three to twenty-five. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now please turn to Colossians 3. <clears throat> Colossians 3, 12 through 17. <clears throat> Verse 12. <clears throat> Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one another has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so, that you, so you also must forgive. <clears throat> and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thank thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> giving thanks to God the Father through him. So those are, <clears throat> are just three, I guess, tools or whatever you want to say that, that, uh, that I use and maybe you can use to try to get yourself back on track when when you're worrying about things or when you're overwhelmed or with problems of the day or in your own lives. I think these are 
ways that we can help experience joy in our Christian life. Joy is actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. And as Christians, we should be the happiest, most joyful people on the face of this earth because we are the ones that have the hope of eternal life with Christ. I may have more questions than I do answers, but I do know one thing. The ultimate answer is Jesus. And I know that I need him every day, and I'm sure that you do as well. So I guess if the, if the worship team would like to make their way up here, I just have one little thing I'd like to share. And it's, um, <clears throat> it's something that I heard on the radio a while back. I think I may have shared this in the past, but I heard uh, Dr. Ray Pritchard read this um, on the radio, and, it's, it's, and as long as it's still the Christmas season, I'd like to end with this. If our greatest need was education, God would have only sent us a teacher. If our greatest need was money, God would have only sent us a a banker. If our greatest need was advice, God would have only sent us a counselor. If our greatest need was pleasure, he would have just sent us an entertainer. But God saw that our greatest need is forgiveness. So he sent us a Savior. He sent us Jesus, Christ the Lord. He came from the glory of heaven to live on this earth as a man, experiencing life as we do, although without sin. He suffered and died on a cross for me and for you. He rose from the dead. He defeated death so that we could have eternal life with him. He alone can save us. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.